0: Hello everyone and welcome to Rolling Forward. I am your host, Ben Baldieri, and thank you for tuning in. Rolling Forward is dedicated to exploring topics related to mental health and sports and the interplay between the two. I'll be talking to high performers in various areas such as sport, entrepreneurship and business about their experiences with mental health and the struggles they have had, and in doing so, seeking to broaden the dialogue. Mental health is a huge issue which has historically not received the recognition it deserves, so I'm looking to do my bit to change that. My guest today is Dorothy Dow. Dorothy is a BJJ brown belt under Hal Gracie and though her home gym is in Berkeley, California, she is far more likely to be found traveling the world. Dorothy is an active BJJ competitor, an avid foodie and a digital nomad, living by the maxim of be your own sugar daddy. In this conversation, we explore Dorothy's experiences competing all over the world and her experiences traveling as a solo female and competing in a typically male dominated sport. We delve into her personal experiences with anxiety, and we also explore what it's like to tell your Asian parents that you won't be going to law school, and you'll be choking people worldwide instead. Enjoy. Dorothy, welcome.
1: Thanks, Ben. (laughs) That's
0: probably the most awkward beginning I think we've had so far. That's
1: how this is going to go. This (laughs) is how this is going to go.
0: Fantastic. You're going to give me everything, and I'm going to have to work for it. Yeah. Awesome. Tell us about your last competition. Well, first, give us... A little bit of an introduction who are you and what do you do
1: well my name is Dorothy I don't know what I do I kind of just have been traveling around for a couple years as a nomadic human being I do jiu-jitsu and um dabble,
0: dabble in jiu-jitsu I guess
1: I am a BJJ digital nomad okay it's quite all-encompassing
0: and what what level are you
1: I am a brown belt I guess To those of you who don't know what that is, I guess there's like five belts in jiu-jitsu. Brown is the last one before black. Um, But that doesn't mean I know anything. It just means I know more than other people.
0: (laughs) Okay. So tell Um, us about in your last competition. Where were you? How did it go?
1: um, My last competition was in September in Tokyo. Um, I got third in my weight class. I had to move up weights actually, because there were no girls, um, in the weight I fight. And then I got second. No, I got third again in the open weight class, which is like all weights.
0: And how many times have you competed this year? I have no clue. <laughs> I, I don't count. <laughs> it's a regular occurrence.
1: Um, I've been quite active on the competition mm-hmm. scene for like three-ish years now. Mm-hmm. Um, this has been the longest break I've taken and it's been two months. <laughs> and I'm about to go again in December to California.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And you said that you've been kind of wandering around doing this BJJ, digital nomad thing for a couple of years now. So 2017? Yeah. started what? led you to diving into this lifestyle?
1: Um, So what I was doing before, I was pretty much like a project manager, legal assistant at a law firm in San Francisco. Um, My initial plan was to, you know, go to law school. And then I realized, like, everyone I work with is kind of miserable. So (laughs) I was like, I'm going to bail. And I was looking for different jobs and then... Eventually, I like at that point I had a lot of BJJ friends older than me who um, live kind of a similar lifestyle that I do now, but with more money. Um, so I was like, "Fuck it, I'm just gonna move somewhere like and see if it works out." And then I picked Shanghai because initially I wanted to learn import export, and this is like a big trading hub internationally. So I just kind of like quit my job, got everything thrown into my parents' house and flew over here and then found a gym and <laughs> I survived, I guess.
0: And <laughs> went from there. Yeah. How long had you been training for in 2017?
1: Um, I've been training six years now. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I had been training four years, mm-hmm. four-ish years. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And up until that point, had you had some success in the competition scene up until that point or?
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. when I left, I had just gotten my purple belt. Nice. Um, I did pretty well at blue belt. I placed at most of like the major competitions in the world. Um, but again, at blue belt, that doesn't really mean anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like nothing really means anything until black belt. Um, but no, you could say I was like pretty into it, and like um, I think if I hadn't had BJJ, I would probably be a lawyer at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this sounds like a
0: more sensible, more sensible course. Yes, one hundred percent. So where were you? Where were you training in California? At home?
1: Um, I was in Berkeley, California, mm-hmm. um, at Half Gracie. Um, so I would cross train between the San Francisco and Berkeley academies, and then kind of trained all over um, at small gyms. But my main gym, my home gym that I'm still graded under, is Half Gracie Berkeley.
0: And you did you pick this up when you were at college, or was this something that you were introduced to beforehand?
1: Um, I picked it up at the tail end of college. So. I graduated in 2015, I believe. 2014, yeah, 2014. Um, so I picked it up at the till end then. Um, I really got into it when I lived in Cape Town for a bit. And then so I was trying to like make local friends. So that was the only way I could do that. Um, so that's when I started training like every day. And then since then I've just been training every day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the pattern, pattern continues. Yeah. So when when this was the, the tail end of college uh, and you studied cognitive science. I did. At college. Yes. At college, were you into martial arts beforehand or was this kind of your first foray into the This
1: was arts? my, well, I mean, I am a taekwondo purple belt from when I was like seven years old. <laughs> I have pictures of me and my bowl cut. In a purple belt. Make
0: sure you send me some of those. And I can oh, it's on notes. Instagram. Put them, put them in the show notes. All good. <laughs> um,
1: and then I played, like, soccer, or as you call it, in the UK, football. football. Um, and I surfed quite a bit. Um, but once I hit college, I kind of stopped. Like, I gained quite a bit of weight, you know, started partying. Went a little crazy since it was my first time away from my parents. Um, so... At the end of college, I was like, shit, I need to do something else. And then I found a free trial and I was like, okay, I guess I'm doing this now.
0: <laughs> this works.
1: Really so. inspirational. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, this will do. <laughs> so when when you were growing up, was your family particularly sporty or was it more you kind of do this because you have to as opposed to this being a focus
1: they are, They were not particularly sporty. My parents are immigrants from Vietnam, and I'm the first child. So they didn't really understand, like, a lot of American society or organizations or, like, how school worked. So they put me in every activity um, just to make me well-rounded and just because, like, they felt like it was good for college. But I wouldn't say the focus was on sports. It was mostly academics. Mm-hmm.
0: Fulfilling the stereotype to a certain extent. Oh,
1: totally. Every single Asian stereotype, except I'm not like super amazing at math.
0: (laughs) So do you have any memories that really kind of show that stereotype? Like, was there any points where your parents were kind of putting you under a lot of pressure at school or... Anything where, like, grades became, like, a big focus or anything?
1: That was, like, my whole childhood. I would come to school, like, crying because I felt like I was disappointing them. (laughs) And, like, I'd freak out. I'm, like, one of those kids who, if she got an A-minus, I would cry. Like, and it was quite intense. Um, And I would say I don't have many memories because I blocked most of them out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So... No, I do not have a specific memory. I just remember, like, I still, like, feel like I freak out when my dad calls me because I feel like I'm in trouble for something. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's still following me around.
0: (laughs) I know that feeling. Yeah. So when you see your phone light up, it's like,
1: I did my homework. (laughs) What have
0: I done? (laughs) So fast forwarding back to to 2017, um, your plan prior to coming out here was to go to law school. Yes. How did you wrestle with that decision to make that decision, as it were, to, to change tact from what I'm assuming your parents were probably quite happy with, going <laughs> to law school and yeah. coming, out to, coming out to Shanghai and pursuing this?
1: Um, again, b- prior to quitting my job, I had um, traveled a tiny bit by myself. I met um, a group of guys in Bangkok um, at a gym called Arete. And like they are, they're BJJ Asia basically. And they kind of showed me like, oh, like we don't really work um, traditional jobs. And they kind of just like travel quite a bit. And I was like, fuck it, I can do it too. Like if I fuck up, like I graduated high school early, I graduated college early. Um, So I was like, I have at least a year to fuck up so I might as well do it now. And then if I fuck up, I'm going to be like, well, I'm still like 24, 25. Like I can restart like before I get tied down with a mortgage or, you know, kids or like anything. Like might as well just try it now. And I wanted to travel. And so it just like took a spur of the moment decision. I'm like, I got to start telling people. So I actually do it.
0: <laughs> Accountability. Yeah. <laughs> oh, guys, I'm leaving.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like I remember I was looking at startup jobs in San Francisco and like New York and then it's like, this all looks terrible. Like, let's just go. (laughs) So it worked out so far. Yeah.
0: Was there a moment like when the plane took off and suddenly this kind of crippling realization of what had happened, what what you had done? Kind of.
1: So it was an interesting takeoff because like I got to the airport, I had done all my crying and shit. And then they canceled my flight because there was something wrong with the plane. And then I had to go back and be like, "Hey guys, I'm still here." <laughs> like I know we had like three goodbye parties, and then Normal. yeah, and then I go back, and then it gets delayed for like another like twelve hours. Singapore Air, <laughs> fuck you guys. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, and then it finally takes off, and yeah, I'm I'm I was a mess, like totally a mess, like totally a mess for the first like few weeks. Like, I just missed, like, my home and, like, all my friends. But at the same time, I was, like, traveling. My first stop was Bangkok, so I knew people there. So it's kind mm-hmm. of, like, a transition. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, definitely, like, periods of doubt. Because what I expected was, like, I had... I decided to do this within, like, a month or two period.
0: So That's it's not like I about. exactly
1: saved up. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, like, once it, I'm going to travel to, like, every country in Southeast Asia then get to Shanghai after, like, a couple months or three months and then figure it out from there. I was expecting once I got here, like, okay, I'm going to get a shithole apartment and just eat, like, ramen every day and then until I can figure out a way to make money. Um, But luckily, once I got here, it turned out a lot nicer and easier than I expected.
0: So you were in Bangkok for just a couple of weeks when you first came out? A couple of weeks, Mm -hmm. yeah.
1: And then um, I traveled around to, like, Philippines, Vietnam, Cambodia, like all those countries down there um, for a couple months I think and then I eventually came up to Shanghai.
0: And when you were traveling for those first few months were you still training BJJ as well or was that something that kind of you put on the back burner until there was some sort of semblance of stability?
1: Oh no I always train BJJ. It's like when I'm in a new place it's always the first thing I try to do because that's how I meet people and it's where it's like the only thing that is constant in my life at the moment. Like once I hit the mat, I'm like, okay, this is something I know wherever I go. Um, And I just enjoy it. So of course I was training, Um, but what happened was, so we did two weeks in Bangkok and then the team and I flew to Manila to compete. And then I decided to break my arm. (laughs) 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 And then, so I, I was like, great, this is the start of my trip. But still trained. Like just put it in a sling, train. Yeah. Tuck it in the belt. Yeah, made it through like all the countries, like got a super sketchy x-ray in Cambodia.
0: One arm jujitsu. <laughs> yeah,
1: I got really good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so was that the the team from Areto? Yes. You were with? And did they kind of show you the ropes as it were, kind of help you find your feet? Because you mentioned that they were living a similar sort of lifestyle to what you are doing now.
1: Uh no, they just kind of housed me while I was yeah. there. <laughs> Made sure I didn't die. Or no, they didn't even make sure I didn't die. They were just there <laughs> to hang out. Cool. Moral Thanks. support. Sure. Well
0: done. <laughs> Welcome. Yeah. Now figure it out. Yeah. So those first few months, do you have any particular kind of standout memories aside from breaking your arm like two, three weeks in? Anything that kind of shocked you into thinking, oh, shit, this is my reality now?
1: Um. I mean, the whole time it was kind of like that. Yeah. Um, I think Vietnam was a bit jarring because it was my first time there, and it's where my parents grew up, and I I just felt super weird being there without them, and like kind of getting to know the country through my mom's friend. I was staying with my mom's friend, and she was showing me, you know, where my parents hung out and grew up, and it was kind of it was super weird. Um, other than that, there were plenty of stories, um, but none that stand out too much, I guess.
0: Yeah. Anything you want to share?
1: Um, I think I've written about most of it on mm-hmm. my blogs. Um, nothing too crazy, mm-hmm. I think.
0: <laughs> so you're, the way that you're supporting yourself now is through digital marketing and that sort of thing? Yes. Yeah. And is your blog one of those things that kind of provides you with a stream of income? or No. <laughs> so that's just kind of a passion project, as it were?
1: Yeah. I mean, initially when I first had this idea to move Um, my friends at BJJ Asia were like okay we want you to do a travel blog for us I was like sure so I did a few posts I've I'm the worst blogger ever like I have like on my desktop 10 different drafts of 10 different trips that are like half completed Um, so I actually haven't been very consistent with that Um, so no it's not a stream of income at all (laughs) it's just a source of entertainment for myself and hopefully others
0: I think one of the ones, the last one that I read was your trip to Mongolia. Yeah. How was it? How was that?
1: That was super fun. That was actually um, with my home team from Health Gracie Berkeley last October. So um, I hadn't planned on going. It was a kind of a last minute decision to go. Um, But we randomly have a lot of Mongolians in Berkeley. Like I've heard it has the largest Mongolian population outside of Mongolia. Wow really random so they train a lot of judo at our academy mm-hmm. um so the owner of half gracie berkeley actually paid for like a lot of um jujitsu things in mongolia he opened up or helped open up like a kid's gym so he was like okay let's get a team together they wanted us to compete um at one of the tournaments there so i was like well i'm in china so i might as well go um so, when, am I, when am i ever gonna get this chance again yeah you know? sure
0: yeah, anything from that trip. Like I've seen. Some of the, I've seen. Some of the, <laughs> I've seen some of the photos of you know, like in like the traditional garb, and you've got yeah like bird and all sorts
1: like. Yeah, the country is super interesting. Ulaanbaatar. I'm just not gonna say anything. <laughs> it's an interesting city um, with a very macho culture. I think the countryside's beautiful. I think the jiu-jitsu community there is super friendly, super awesome, really tough training. Um, but I think next time I go to Mongolia, I'd like love to see more of the countryside areas Mm -hmm. because it seems like our tour guide had insane stories about like going out in the middle of nowhere, like wandering into like random nomads and stuff. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) So since starting this, you've visited 30, 30 countries now?
1: I visited 30 countries total. Total? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe like 26 mm-hmm. new ones since I left.
0: Mm-hmm. Any competition in any of those countries or any experience in any of those countries related to BJJ that's kind of like, wow, like really stands out in your mind?
1: Um, again, I've done, I mostly travel around competitions. Mm-hmm. So, I it's hard to, like, pick out one that really stands out. Um, but, I mean, like, I, I just, like, have met a lot of really amazing people in every country that I've been to. Um, but no one competition really stands out, because most of the major ones are, like, in California. So, I go back, and it's just, like, it's home. So, it's not really that exciting.
0: So, one thing I did want to talk about is, obviously, BJJ is quite a male-dominated sport, mm. and... Traveling around Asia, traveling around the world, competing in a sport that is, again, typically very male. Like, What's that experience been like?
1: Um, I find it obviously varies from country to country, gym to gym. Um, even as a purple belt girl in Asia, it's relatively new in Asia compared to California where it's like, you know, it's the Mecca. You know, yeah. there's, it's the mecca. Yeah. Um, people always say that. Um, I felt like a unicorn in most of the gyms I went to, like I'd show up and people would just stare and I'm like, there's something wrong with me. Um, so yeah, that, that part was cool. Like everyone makes sure you're like totally taken care of. Like there's like, please don't die on our watch. And it's super cool. Um, now that I'm like a brown belt, pretty much the same thing. Um, uh, yeah, I feel like every gym I've been to, I've been super lucky to have like super hospitable hosts and like um everyone's super friendly. There's some like cultures where yeah, the male dominating attitude kind of affects you, like in China. Like I've I think that was with you when I was teaching a fundamentals class, maybe I was teaching a cross choke. Yep. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and, like, that. it wasn't working. I couldn't hit the cross you choke. You
1: couldn't hit the cross choke. And I was like, really? Ben's really strong. <laughs> and then, yeah, your partner, I demonstrated it on. And I think, like, he just didn't want to, top. Didn't want to tap. And yeah. a lot of guys don't want to tap because, like, I'm a girl. And he just passed out. <laughs> That's a good memory.
0: <laughs> you, you learn one way.
1: Yeah. Um, you also get a decent amount of, like, creepy people, like, most jiu-jitsu girls do. Yeah. Um, that's just part of the game i guess but you learn how to deal with it like especially i'm really happy at our gym at absolute like we really don't tolerate like creepy things happening and i've really tried to like instill this like culture of like if anyone's like creepy to you or, or like intimidating you you're just like dude fuck the fuck off
0: <laughs> yeah so 100%, i mean like i can already imagine like that's not something that I'm ever going to have to deal with. Really, it's just <laughs> shocking. Uh, but like having to having that as kind of an extra thing to navigate. Like if you're going to a new country and you're meeting new people, and then you've got that, yeah, kind of there going on in the background as well. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Elambertor, and yes. the the culture being a bit kind of macho. Was that somewhere that you had you it felt like you experienced more of those slightly creepy issues than other places, or
1: Mm, Not in the gym. Um, It's just we went out one night and like a bunch of Mongolian dudes were trying to like grope me. And then eventually we were like, we got to get the fuck out of here before we die. (laughs) Quite a tense night. Um, And I had never experienced like that level of just like in your face, like aggression before, Um, even in like Brazil. (laughs) So it was just very like aggressive and kind of jarring and unpleasant. Um, but in the gym, not at all. They were so, so nice to us and like s- took us everywhere and showed us everything, made sure we were totally okay. Mm. So, yeah.
0: Any countries that have been kind of the other end of the scale, like bending over backwards hospitality wise, just making sure that like everything was fine.
1: I, I would say, I mean, Mongolia, like the jujitsu people, there are yeah. like totally bent over backwards to make sure we were fine. Um, I'd say... Again, like most countries I've been to, Philippines, hospitality is, like, one of the most amazing countries I've ever seen. Like, they're just like, take everything. Take my house. Like, <laughs> let me do everything for you. Like, super nice. Um, yeah. I Again, like, as a girl traveling by myself, I find that people are really willing to lend a helping hand, which I really appreciate. And I haven't really had many issues with
0: that thankfully when you first started traveling um, was did you ever have to deal with like any anxiety or anything in terms of like what am I doing like how am I going to make this work
1: totally I again like I was like if I can survive the first three months in Shanghai that means I'm going to be okay but those first three months I was like I don't know what's gonna happen like I landed in Pudong and I put my debit card in the ATM machine and it ate it and I was like, fuck. fuck. <laughs> and I was like, and I didn't have like any of the bike sharing apps. So I was trying to figure out how to open a bank account when I got here. And then like none of the banks will open it for you. And it was a super hassle for like a while and it was raining. And <laughs> then I found Warzone. zone. <laughs> and people were helping me so that was good um no there was definitely a ton of anxiety and I still go through a lot of anxiety episodes now because like clearly I don't know what I'm doing with my life um so it's like it's like random periods where I'm just like I should probably get a real job um and then I'm like wait no like just figure it out so I think everybody goes through that it's like everybody's trying to grasp for some semblance of stability Mm -hmm. um which is probably not in existence. Like it's hard to find something that's actually very stable.
0: Mm-hmm. Stable so. stables, a point of view as well, isn't it? Like what's stable for one person. Yeah. It's not necessarily going to work for somebody else. Yeah. Do you feel that, um, jujitsu and the fact that so you go somewhere new, you train, it provides you with like a semblance of that semblance of stability that kind of you need to sort of build stuff off because, does your does that anxiety change when you're not training or or does do you feel that jiu-jitsu kind of helps you manage it
1: jiu-jitsu totally helps me manage it like to an extent i've realized that it's kind of formed to become part of my identity Mm -hmm. like when i i got a really bad concussion last year i couldn't train for a long time and that's when i realized like how much i tie my own identity into jiu-jitsu i'm like started thinking, like, what am I without training? Like, I've built this kind of, like, persona off of, you know, being this, like, BJJ, you know, digital nomad chick that just, like, does whatever the fuck she wants. But now, like, if that's taken away from me, I was like, what do I have to offer? What is my purpose? Yeah, but, like, you know, at the end of the day, I have friends who are, like, 40-something, and they're still trying to figure that out. So it's just like, you know, yeah. existential question of life. I
0: mean, that's the stuff Who of the stuff. am <laughs> I? Like, Who am I and what am I doing? Yeah.
1: yeah. So it, it comes and goes, but like yeah. at the end of the day, I'm going to be dealing with this for decades.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like I've dealt with depression for, I can't remember when I haven't been dealing with depression in some yeah. capacity. So it's always been there. Um, and yeah, as you say, like jujitsu provides, definitely provides a sense of grounding and just in terms of management, I mean, as you know, I've not been able to train for the past couple of months because yeah. I've got two balding discs in my neck yeah. and that's been a shit experience overall. Yeah, zero, I can't imagine. zero out of ten would not recommend it to anybody. <laughs> um, I'll try not to t- Yeah, okay. just top tip for you there. Okay. Um, was anxiety something that you dealt with when you were younger as well or was that something that's kind of come on a bit later on?
1: No, I've always had anxiety. I think everyone always has anxiety. It just depends on to what level. Again, same thing with depression. People get sad. I don't think I've had clinical depression. I've definitely had periods where, you know, like in college I was like pretty low down. Um, But again, like I think the immigrant Asian parent pressure as a child really affected me. Um, And to this day, like... Of course, everyone has anxiety issues. If you're not, you're like, I don't know, on horse tranquilizers all the time. <laughs> like, everybody deals with it. So it's just, yeah, again, a matter of maintenance. Jiu-jitsu definitely helps. Sometimes jiu-jitsu causes it. Um, just depends. Mm-hmm. But I can't imagine my life without it. Yeah. Jiu-jitsu,
0: not anxiety. Actually, both. <laughs> it's funny how things can kind of become a core part of your identity without you realizing it. Yeah, like, for sure. Both positive and negative.
1: Yeah, I make it a point to like not have it become my whole identity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think being well-rounded is quite important, but it is a big part of my life, especially right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Um, when when you were at college, um, you mentioned that you, you struggled sometimes. Then was there was there something else that you used to manage it? Because jujitsu is helpful, for kind of managing it mm-hmm. now. Um was there something else that took its place at college?
1: Yeah. I mean, again, as I mentioned, I was like super nerd in high school. Got to college, um, went a little nuts without my parents. So I was partying a lot. Um I really hadn't like, you know, partied at all until college and then so it was Freshman fourteen. Freshman like Uh, (laughs) twenty. um, so that kind of took place took its place. Um So, yeah, it was not a great time. I definitely went through, like, big, long, depressive episodes um, in that period. Um, I almost dropped out once, but overall, nothing too terrible. Like, my little sister's in college right now, and I think she's having a much rougher time than me. Um, Like, looking back, college was super fun. Um, But I would say, yeah, instead of jujitsu, I was, like, just drinking a lot, worrying about what people thought of me um school wearing like what job I'm going to get after like internships stuff like that super dumb um in retrospect going back I would have taken much more advantage of like the resources yeah. at
0: berkeley yeah. to you know do everything do everything all, all of those things yeah. that you have on offer at college that you suddenly realize that you don't have in real life once yeah. you graduated
1: yeah um that being said I don't want to go back to grad school anytime soon um,
0: yeah. I mean that's always going to be there.
1: It's yeah, it's so. always going to be there. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. For now, this lifestyle is being really good to me. Um, I'm going to see how long I can milk it for.
0: <laughs> so you're doing mainly digital marketing.
1: Digital marketing. It's a, like a vague term. It's like consulting, mm-hmm. whatever yeah. the hell that means. Um, yeah. So when I first moved to Shanghai, I did the English teaching thing, or I taught math and like computer science to like kids. Nice. Um, for a little bit, and I was making good money, but then I realized like, I don't want a job that requires me to be here. Yeah. <laughs> so eventually, like, because I have kind of some social media presence, um, people thought that meant like, I know what I'm doing online. So now I've managed to build enough of a portfolio and have enough clients to support myself completely remote. I think I like quit all the touring stuff like sometime early last year. And then ever since then, yeah, like most of my gigs are still in China, but it's kind of all over the place now.
0: Thanks. Any big projects that you've been involved in that you kind of surprised yourself? Is like, oh, one, I'm, I'm actually got some. I've actually got some pull here.
1: Not yet. <laughs> right now, still just freelancing, wandering around. But it pays much better than I had expected. Yeah. Lets me do what I want, and a lot of people think like I have a sugar daddy or something. <laughs> Which I don't. <laughs> I actually DRI. work quite a lot for DRI. someone without a job. Yeah. Like, I mean, some days I work like 18 hours, some days I work zero. So it's like, I'm pretty much in charge of my own schedule, which is nice.
0: Is it something that's kind of quite regular or is it kind of like feast and famine almost? Like some periods will be like super busy and then other periods are like, oh, I need to find something else to do.
1: Yeah, it's ebbing and flowing. Um, I lose clients, I gain clients. Um, again, it's super unstable and I don't know if I would recommend it for everyone. Um, I am just kind of a high risk kind of person (laughs) with some things. Mm -hmm.
0: Is there any client base that you're kind of focused towards mainly? Like, is there like a certain group, for example, that you're catering to?
1: Um, not at the moment. Like I do, um, some F and B like food and beverage, um, businesses, Um, some jujitsu stuff it's kind of all over the place right now um I think I'm about hitting the point where I'm like okay I need something a bit more concrete um direction wise so we'll see what 2020 holds in store we'll see yeah
0: travel plans for 2020
1: um kind of an open book right now um I am going to San Francisco this Thursday then I come back for a little bit, like a few days, and then I go to Melbourne, hopefully. Then I go back here, and then to California, mm-hmm. then to Bangkok, and then we'll see. I think I'm going to do a few months in Vietnam. Yes. Um, I was interested in doing like a coding boot camp thing nice. down there.
0: Is that with Le Wagon or something like that? Sorry? it's a coding boot camp called Le Wagon?
1: Oh, no, no, no. Um, so. I forget what it's called. It's like the coder school or something. Mm-hmm. But I figure like that's not an investment that I'll regret in myself. So no, definitely not. Yeah, we'll see. Um, but again, quite open schedule at the moment. I think I'm a little burnt out on competing right now. I might take a break, but again, I'm quite addicted to uh, signing up for those stupid competitions.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I need someone new to go, ah, oh, there's a competition here.
1: Yeah, nice. like we accidentally ended up in Rome um, last month during like a major European competition and I didn't realize. I was like kind of annoyed at myself, <laughs> but I told myself I'd take a break. So this is my break time. <laughs>
0: nice. nice. Yeah. So the going back to the um, the female BJJ scene. Yeah. In Asia, um, you do you help out at one of the absolute camps in Phuket. Yes. Recently?
1: Last year I went to. Yeah. Uh, it was Livia Giles yeah. and Rikako Uwase. That was super awesome. That was probably the only like seminar-ish type of jujitsu thing I've ever been to. I'm like, that was totally worth it. And like, that was like, I learned so much. Um, I did help out with that. That was super cool. That was right after Mongolia trip. Mm -hmm. So Mongolia was surrounded with like 10 to 20 men like the whole time, like super testosterone field. And then I got to Thailand and I usually don't like Thailand that much But I got there and I was like, oh, my God, it's all estrogen. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And then it was super fun. Again, like, I don't relate to women outside of jiu-jitsu very well um, or people in general outside of jiu-jitsu very well. Um, So I was a bit nervous about going to an all-women's camp because generally, like, I'm super, like, you know, like, strong female, whatever. I don't like to, like, hear about, like, female empowerment and, like, all that stuff all the time. Um, But this group of girls was super cool, and, like, we're all kind of, like, raunchy and, like, like to bash each other's face into the mat. So it it worked out well. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Same with, like, most gyms I go to. It's, like, the girls group here is super awesome, like, girly, but, like, you know, also like to bash our faces into the mat. So it worked out really well. Um, They just had another one. Unfortunately, I was in Europe for this year's... um, but hopefully, I mean, I'm seeing a ton more of those events all around. Mm-hmm. And like, again, when I first got here, like the women's team at Warzone was quite small. And now like you see how many girls in Shanghai alone are yeah. training. It's like booming. Um, same with most other countries. And like, I just feel lucky. Like I got here when I did um, cause, or I started training when I did cause I'm a bit ahead of the curve in general now in Asia. Not in California, um, but it's cool to be able to like be a part of that and like actually be able to help like facilitate a bit of that growth. Um, and I love to see like girls kind of fall in love with it, and you can see our girls are totally falling in love with it. Yeah. Like they're posting online all the time and like I'm like oh this is so cute. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's super cool to see.
0: So that you mentioned that 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 trend in terms of um, female adoption of the sport is something that's booming worldwide is there anything about jiu-jitsu specifically that could be a reason for that like why jiu-jitsu as opposed to another sport say i don't know wrestling or something like that which is again another grappling art
1: i think slowly in general like combat sports more females are entering um jiu-jitsu is growing really fast i think because it's getting a bit more trendy like, you see all these, like, lifestyle brands popping up around it and, like, all the affiliate companies trying to, like, partner up with jiu brands. I think it's just becoming more marketable, um, thanks to, like, a few academies or people in California, mostly. Um, and then, I don't know, at the core of the sport, it's, like, you're a small girl, like, choking out other people. It's super cool. Like, I don't know. Like, it's definitely not for everyone, but, like, it definitely appeals to a lot of girls. Um, cause you know, like we're all psycho yeah. and we like doing these things.
0: <laughs> I have no comments. About that. I couldn't, I couldn't possibly comment. <laughs> okay. So one, one last question. Mm. Um, one thing that I like to ask all of my guests is, as you mentioned, like you've dealt with some anxiety. Um, mm. I've dealt with depression. One thing that I like to ask is if someone is listening to this at the moment and they find themselves in like a particularly dark place, they find themselves like really struggling what is one thing that you would recommend that they do that might help them kind of move forward, move out of that pit, as it were?
1: I would say trying to find a hobby that you are passionate about. Again, like before I found Jiu Jitsu, I had a lot of things I thought I enjoyed. Um, but again, my self-confidence body image was totally like in the toilet and now it's, like, you can try to offend me or you can try to criticize me. Like, good luck, buddy. <laughs> it's been incredible what I've seen it do for myself. I'm not saying, like, everybody who's going through this try jiu-jitsu. Like, I've given up on, like, trying to convert people to that. Um, just try to, like, I think exercise, like, a sport would be helpful. Again, like, depends on what type of person you are. Just find something you're passionate about and, like, find something you want to pursue and be good at. Because otherwise, it's like everything's just kind of like mediocre, right? And it gets boring. Um, so, again, like I'm super lucky I found this. And I think like I can't imagine my life without it. So, it's just something to bring you up out of that funk. And like it brings you this community that's super supportive. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I think that's near enough the perfect place to finish. Cool. Thank you very much, Dorothy.
1: Thank you, Ben Greenberg. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, just a little disclaimer <laughs> before we finish. So... Last year we had a pizza eating competition.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And who won the pizza eating competition, Dorothy? Y- you did. Yes I did. You did. <laughs> yes, I did. But not after you had managed to get my name wrong by typing in I'm assuming you typed in Ben to Google and Ben Greenberg was the first Ben that came up or something. No, so
1: I knew you worked in sports nutrition or something, so I looked up Ben Sports oh, Nutrition. Greenfield. Greenfield or okay. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember, but Shout I Shout out to up- Ben
0: Greenfield if you ever hear this. He's quite a big deal.
1: <laughs> okay. No, I looked at Ben Sports Nutrition Shanghai and then I saw that name like a few times and I just figured that was you. Like how many,
0: like... And instead of asking me?
1: I don't think I had your WeChat contact and I just needed it for the poster or something.
0: Okay, cool. (laughs) That's a better place to go. Thank you very much, George. Okay, thank you, Ben. (laughs) That was Rolling Forwards. I hope you enjoyed listening to this as much as I enjoyed recording it. If you enjoyed this episode or you feel that there is something that I should be talking about or someone that I should be talking to, please don't hesitate to get in touch. The most effective way to do that is to leave a review on iTunes or whatever podcasting app you are listening on. I will read any and all reviews, so please leave me your comments so I can provide you with even more value. Again, I hope you enjoyed this episode and I will see you next time.